0: Today I want to talk about a topic that I think is so underrated and has such a massive impact on our relationship, our relationship to ourself, our needs, our happiness, our productivity, our success. Our romantic relationships. I think it impacts and spills into everything, and I think that it is a topic where so many people are not even aware that this is something that they're experiencing, and this topic is enmeshment trauma, okay? So what is enmeshment trauma? Enmeshment trauma, and what I'm going to go through, just on a side note here, I'm going to go through like what enmeshment trauma is. I'm going to go through how it comes about, the deep core causes, so you can see into yourself and into your childhood and figure out if this was you, and then I'm going to go through strategies and some really Really clear pieces of advice for how to actually fix and solve this problem at a root level, at the subconscious level, and how to reprogram a lot of these negative patterns that come with enmeshment trauma. Okay, so starting off. First and foremost, enmeshment trauma is essentially when two or more people in a family dynamic have like really unclear boundaries between each other. So there's sort of this disconnect between where I end and where another person begins and everybody's sort of identities, feelings, needs, expectations are kind of bleeding into each other to a certain degree. And this might sound like, oh, it's an innocent thing and people are just really caring for each other or, you know, it's a family dynamic and family, you know, doesn't need to have boundaries and this could not be the furthest thing from the truth. This is one of the unhealthiest things that I see in family dynamics that actually causes so much chaos for individuals later in life. And the reason for this is that when we come from enmeshment trauma, we lose our sense of identity. We don't define a sense of self. We have a really hard time making decisions in our adult lives. We have a harder time finding our life's purpose. We tend to have a lot of repressed feelings of helplessness, guilt, shame, anger, um, feeling like we can't fix people and it's our fault, feeling like this great fear of disappointing people. And that really takes us away from our life purpose, from who we are, from what we're here to do in this world. And it really brings us into dysfunctional relationship dynamics with a lot of unconscious expectations and anger and rage when people are not meeting these expectations. And oftentimes people go to great lengths to rebel against enmeshment trauma. So we'll see a lot of behaviors where there's like a lot of repressed sense of self and emotions and feelings, and finally will burst out with anger, frustration, rage, and this can be highly dysfunctional in family dynamics or relationship dynamics because there's this sort of duality between, you know, pushing everything down and then blowing up, and again, like this just creates a lot of unhealthy patterns and issues in relationships. Okay, so the attachment styles I see that tend to struggle the most with an attachment trauma are anxious attachments and majorly, majorly fearful avoidance of avoidance also can come from a lot of enmeshment trauma, but they tend to cope with it and express boundaries around it in very different ways. Um, Actually, each attachment cell really has different ways of expressing their boundaries around this. I'm not going to go into this right now um, in terms of attachment cells. I'm just going to go into enmeshment trauma, what it is, and then I will go through separate videos and do a whole series just on like enmeshment trauma with specific attachment styles and how to work through this. But I'm going to give you some really comprehensive general tools for today. So um, we know what enmeshment trauma is. And here are some of the root causes. Okay. So in childhood, if caregivers have a lot of, uh, there's a few. Number one, if caregivers have really high expectations for their children, then there can be a lot of enmeshment trauma. So, for example, let's say you have a narcissistic parent, or let's say you just have a really unconscious parent, and that parent can't hold space for their child's individual needs, boundaries, values, feelings. They don't positively reinforce their emotions. You know, they expect the child to be quiet when they want the child to be quiet. They expect the child to be, you know, a performer and doing extremely well in school according to their expectations in all subjects, not just in, in noticing where the child's excelling or where their natural intelligence is and nurturing that and encouraging them to be effective in other areas, but not from a place of harshness, expectation, pushiness, pressure, um, and, and really attuning to their child and getting to connect to their child. Um, and if the parent is not doing that effectively, holding space for the child's individual needs, self-expression, then that can be one core cause of enmeshment trauma, because what the child receives is that I am who you want me to be, and if I don't perform according to those expectations, I get punished. And that punishment, I'm going to go to great lengths to avoid, so I will basically become subservient or subdued to your needs, expectations, and as a survival strategy, I will literally let go of what I need and just attune to what you expect from me and basically give up my identity to avoid pain or punishment. And keep in mind, a lot of these patterns get carried out or brought into relationship dynamics at a very young age for caregivers, so like literally you know, these children are very young and the caregivers start instilling a lot of these patterns at an extremely young age where that child still feels completely dependent at, on their caregivers for survival, right? So so enmeshment trauma, engaging in, in enmeshment trauma literally is a survival strategy on behalf of the child to a certain degree. It's an adaptation that the mind makes in order to cope with the fact they're completely dependent on their caregivers for survival. These caregivers have expectations, have needs, needs, all these different things, and and that child feels like, okay, I have to meet these things and fit in here, because what if I don't, and what if I don't get my needs met? What if I don't get fed? What if I get abandoned? What if I get kicked out of the home? What if, what if, what if, right? So we find that it's actually less painful to engage in enmeshment trauma than it is to try to stand up for individual needs and values when they keep being met with punishment, threats, neglect, rejection, etc. Okay, So that's one of the core causes. Another core cause is um, we can become very hypervigilant at attuning to our caregiver's feelings if our caregiver is in pain, especially when we're at a very young age. So let's say, for example, somebody dies in the family um, when you're, you know, under the age of five. And let's say you feel a lot of this emotion. There's a lot of emotion going on and these caregivers are not like sort of creating boundaries around the expression of that emotion. Maybe they're crying in front of you or they're down in front of you a lot and you're feeling this and picking up on this. And What happens is we, again, because of that principle that we're so dependent on our caregivers for survival, without them we would literally die. Like, because of this principle, we will feel like, oh my gosh, if they're not okay, I might not be okay. If they're in a really bad space, then I might be in a really bad space. I need them to be okay for my own survival. And this is just this inherent intrinsic programming. Like we're wired for this attachment. We're wired to be attuned to our caregivers. So at a very early age, if we're picking up on a lot of emotional fragility or pain or core issues in a parent or caregiver, we as again, the survival or adaptation strategy go out of our way to try to start taking on and fixing The problems that we're experiencing feeling-wise with our caregivers, like trying to be there for them emotionally, trying to connect them emotionally, letting them dump their emotions on you, letting them express to you at a very young age, because you're like, if I can fix this problem, I become safer. And we're wired to make these adaptations. So that's another core issue. If if your caregiver is going through an emotional time and they're not conscious about how to effectively deal with their emotions, especially around these children, their children, then you know, that unconsciousness basically creates these sorts of patterns. And it's not that caregivers are like selfish or negative. It's just that their unconsciousness can get get basically passed along to us. It can become our unconsciousness because we internalize it, we experience this, and then it becomes a sort of challenge or problem. Okay. So, what this, what this creates is this total disconnect from ourselves, right? If we're so busy and it's so important to be hypervigilant about attuning to our caregivers, obviously as a result of that, through trying to fix their pain, we disconnect from our own feelings and needs because we're in that survival mode. We go all in to their stuff in order to cope, okay? Now, one other really core um, thing that you might experience is, so we said, if the caregiver is not attuned to your individual needs and values, and and holding space for them on a consistent basis. Number two, if the caregiver is going through a lot of emotional pain, and then you think, oh my gosh, I have to solve this in order to feel safe again, because if they're not okay, I might not be okay. And number three, um, and just to sort of separate number one and three, if you have a very narcissistic or highly expectant parent that puts a lot of pressure on you, you're going to think, oh my gosh, I have to perform, I have to show up because. If I get punished or if I get rejected, that's extremely painful. So we go out of our way to meet others' expectations, others' needs, and others' feelings as a coping mechanism or adaptation for survival. And then what happens is the result of this is now there's no boundary around who's feeling what, whose feelings are whose, whose needs are whose, because your parents' or caregivers' needs become your needs, their feelings become your feelings, their expectations become your expectations for yourself, etc. So the net result of this is that we self-abandon like crazy when we come from enmeshment trauma. We can be so great at attuning to other people We can be so strong in our charisma or connection and ability to connect and that can be a powerful gift in and of itself. But if that is not balanced in a space where I have my feelings, my needs, my expectations for situations really rooted and I'm not connected to them in real time while I'm interacting with other people then it becomes highly dysfunctional it creates a lot of pain and often a lot of resentment and we'll suffer from a lot of core wounds like feeling um, not good enough for people all the time because we project all these crazy expectations they must have of us we get afraid of making mistakes because in childhood if that happened that was a big deal we got rejected or there was a threat to survival because our needs might have gotten withheld or we thought that we might be abandoned so there's all these sort of interlacing pieces. So um, when you see others as this extension of yourself, or when you you think that um, you are the extension of your caregivers, and they are this extension of you, you also have extremely poor boundaries. And when you don't have boundaries to this you know, in this specific space, then we also don't just internalize other people's expectations of us like crazy. We also project extremely high and unrealistic expectations onto other people because if we're giving so, so, so much, then we tend to expect the same thing in return at a subconscious level. And the reason for this is because your subconscious mind is tracking the exchange of energy that happens within every single one of your relationship dynamics really interesting crazy sort of thing to think about so and and literally conflict is basically a perception of imbalance between the exchange of energy within people so we have to be able to heal this and here's how we do this so these are your steps for healing number one and these are general but they're really effective um number one We have to learn to be able to reconnect to our own feelings and needs in real time and stay rooted in our sense of self while in interaction with other people. Now, this might sound very strange, but we should be able to. Like, Let's say, for example, John makes fun of you. John's your friend. John makes fun of you for being late, and he does this in front of people. You have to be able to feel within yourself, is this funny to me? And for a lot of people, like for me, when other people make fun of me, I think it's hilarious. Like, I don't know why it just really makes me laugh. It gets to me. Um, I find humor in like that kind of sense of self thing. So, so, Um, but for other people, and that's okay, there's nothing wrong with this for other people, for somebody else, they might have a sensitivity to that. Maybe they have a core wound around feeling made fun of in front of people or shamed publicly or humiliated. And so different people are going to feel different things in different circumstances based on how they're interpreting circumstances through their filter of their past, all of their wounds, all their expectations, their beliefs, everything. So if I'm sitting with John, and I think it's funny you know, then that's great, but I have to be able to tune in and make sure I'm not just laughing so that I, you know, don't not fit in in front of everybody or laughing because I think I have to please John or, you know, something like that. And keep in mind, like one of the core, 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 most prominent pieces around enmeshment trauma is a lot of people pleasing, right? So So if I were somebody who had a wound there specifically, I have to be able to tune in and feel those feelings in real time and be like, okay, John thinks this is funny, but this doesn't feel good for me. And what do I need right now in this situation? Well, I probably need to express a boundary to John and say, hey, John, I get that you're just joking around, but you know, let's talk about something else. I don't find that funny. Or, hey, John, like that's unacceptable. I feel shame and Can you talk about something different or can you take the attention off of me or whatever it is that you need to say that's right for you, you need to express that in that moment and you can't express a single thing in the moment if you are not tuned in to what your feelings are and what your needs are. So that is the prerequisite to to any healthy self-expression boundaries and to really put an end to people pleasing. We people please naturally when we're more tuned in to other people's feelings and other people's needs and expectations from us than we are our own. If we're equally tuned in and if we treat, and this is a, this point number two, we have to treat our feelings and needs equal to others, okay? A lot of the time, at its deepest layer, we put other people's feelings, if we're struggling with enmeshment trauma, we put other people's feelings and needs ahead of our own as a subconscious strategy to keep safe. And it can be safe from rejection, abandonment, safe from your needs not being met, safe from disapproval. It's actually a, a form, to a certain degree, of meeting a different need of safety or, you know, acceptance. Um, but we have to be able to break that down because we will. We are always more likely to be a match to being rejected and abandoned. Um, when we are in the habit of rejecting and abandoning ourselves because people can feel when we're not rooted in our sense of self and people naturally get turned off by that and push away. People pick up on your subconscious micro expressions, body language, tone of voice, um, inclination towards people pleasing, all these different things and people tend to feel ugh around that and there's a whole bunch of biological reasons why that I won't get into right now but we're programmed to work that way. So Um, we have to keep in touch with our feelings and needs in real time, number one. And number two, we have to treat those feelings and needs equally to others okay so on the personal development school website if you haven't already seen it I have a whole feelings and needs list that are some like moment to moment needs your tertiary needs and then a whole bunch of feelings and we have to be able to tune in and name and label our feelings and our experiences and we have to be able to follow that up by going okay and what do I need in this moment to feel better or to feel safe or to feel comfortable okay so um you want to also notice how you are feeling in relationship to your environment okay so you want to notice if you walk into a room full of people right away do you go into people pleasing mode right away do you go into feeling threatened mode what is your natural emotional undertone when you're around people and that will be a really good gauge or sort of signposts regarding how enmeshed you are number three um or sort of number four because that past one was kind of number three um you have to make active habits in your life that are preventing self-abandonment. So you have to be clean and clear about what your activities are that matter to you. So it might be, you know, sports are important to you. And then every time you get into a relationship, you throw away sports because you just want to spend all your time with your partner. Or it might be that every time... Um, You know, maybe social and friendships are important to you, but every time you get into a relationship, you're so afraid to not spend time with your partner or or hurt your partner by spending time with other people or whatever it might be that you toss those needs away. You have to be clear ahead of time. What is important to me? What makes me whole? What gives me my sense of self for who I am? And how can I ensure that I connect to these pieces within myself and I maintain habits as soon as I enter into a relationship so I'm not throwing myself away for a relationship and relationships are not supposed to be about sacrifice they're supposed to be about compromise and there is a massive difference sacrifice is hey your need takes precedence over and bulldozes my need compromise is hey I'm aware of your need I've clearly expressed my need. Let's find a way to meet these two needs in the middle or to meet one at a time, but make sure that there's a healthy exchange. So your need tonight, my need tomorrow, something of that sort. That's compromise. Sacrifice is a repression of one person's need in favor of the other on a consistent basis, okay? And you'll feel that you are sacrificing because you'll feel that when you do something, if you tune in, you'll feel this feeling of resistance like you're going against yourself. I like to call it the feeling of self-betrayal. Sacrifice is a form of self-betrayal. And here's something super interesting. The more you're abandoning yourself, the more you're betraying yourself, the more you're rejecting yourself in favor of somebody else, the more painful when somebody else does that to you, it will be. And here's why. If my identity, the moment I'm in relationship, becomes, oh my gosh, my identity is everything this person wants from me, and I morph and contort myself into all these little You know, in all these ways to try to feed into that person's needs, then I've just broken complete connection to myself. I've put all my eggs in that basket. I'm over there enmeshed with that person's business and life and nobody's here with me. So my identity, my needs, if they're not met by this person, they are not met. My feelings, if they're not respected by that person because that person makes a mistake or they're unconscious about something or they're not a healthy person, then nobody's here to respect my feelings, nobody's here to respect my needs, and that is excruciatingly painful. If I'm rooted in my feelings and needs and somebody's not available to meet my my needs at a certain time, I can go, hey, that's okay, I know what the need is, they're not available because they've got something going on or they're going through a challenging time or, you know, whatever it might be. And keep in mind, like, you will not get your needs met 100% of the time by other people it's not possible. People are not always available. So we want to have that healthy balance where, you know, 50% of the time we can express our needs to others and ask them to be met. And 50% of the time we can still just recognize our needs and meet our own needs and maintain that relationship to self and maintain that rootedness in our own identity. And what relationship to self is, what self really is, are your feelings, your needs, your thoughts, your beliefs, and your values. And so. When you give those all away, of course that comes with unconscious expectations. Of course, when you give everything away, now you know, you've know given everything away and you can't help but expect the same from somebody else. And if they don't do that and you broke relationship to self to give everything over to somebody else and they become unavailable, it hurts way more than it ever should. And that's where the anger and the pain and the hurt and the rage come in. And again, those are feedback mechanisms that there's something out of balance, something out of alignment, and you're in an unhealthy relationship dynamic. Super important to notice. Okay. So your next piece in here for how to heal is also once you've identified your feelings and needs, you want to keep asking yourself, how can I get those needs met? Okay. So you need the strategy question. Like you can't just go, what do I need? I need comfort or support. Okay. What does that look like to me? How can I, how can I comfort myself? Or how can I request comfort for somebody else? Or what is support to me? You know, is it a hug? Is it, um, you know, somebody validating my feelings? Is it somebody just spending time with me being present? What is it? And how do I get that met? So we have to get really clear and specific Isolate what that word or what that need means to us very specifically, and then how do we want to strategize ways or steps to get that need met, okay? And lastly, these things need to be expressed, okay? If you just internalize the feeling and need, then it doesn't do anything. You have to make sure that you're expressing to the people around you that healthy boundary or what those feelings and needs are so that you are ending that, um, bleeding into each other with relationships so that you're actually able to say, look, I can be attuned to you and I can stay rooted in myself at the same time. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be you at the expense of me because that will always create pain in the dynamic. And those are the best breeding grounds for resentment because resentment is essentially a perception of imbalance and an unmet need. Okay. So the last thing I'll say in here is that If we are rooted in or struggling with enmeshment trauma, we also tend to have a lot of trust issues because we tend to project onto other people um, most painfully so or get most triggered or charged by in other people the habits and behaviors that we're applying in relationship to ourselves. So for example, if I can't trust myself to not abandon myself and reject myself as soon as I'm in relationship, I really get afraid and distrusting that somebody else will do that to me. Okay, so we tend to project onto other people what our core issues are in relationship to self. And as we heal that enmeshment piece, as we learn to stay rooted in ourselves and trust ourselves to express our needs and create boundaries at the same time, then we actually learn to maintain trust with other people in a healthy way as well. Not blind trust or something naive, but just this ability to open ourselves up, to trust, and um, to really have. A strong foundation of communication and transparency in a relationship itself. Okay, so this is an initial piece about enmeshment. You can tell I'm super passionate about this. Um, So if you're getting a lot of value to these videos, please like them, share them, subscribe to my channel, and please feel free to visit www.personaldevelopmentschool.com for like amazing upcoming courses that we're recording, um, exciting offerings that we have, and all kinds of things to help everybody on their healing journey.